This is Keeping Track, and you're listening to Molly Huddle, Alicia Montano, and Roisin McGettigan Dumas. We want to highlight the important topics, inspiring stories, and amazing women in sport. We're three Olympians from two countries, two moms, and one current pro coming together to talk about issues we're passionate about in the sports world. And we care about the current and future landscape of women's sports. And this is just how we're keeping track. A big shout out to Saucony for sponsoring our season two production costs. At Saucony, a good day is when we get to run. A great day is when we inspire someone else to run. Our podcast today is brought to you by Whoop. What's great about Whoop is that it's completely different from your standard GPS watch. Whoop is focused on your body's recovery, and everyone knows that runners aren't always the best at taking days off or listening to their bodies. I don't know if this sounds familiar to anyone. Every day, Whoop gives you a personalized recovery score based on things like your resting heart rate, your heart rate variability, sleep, and respiratory rate, so you can monitor the changes in your fitness. The app also has built-in features like the Strain Coach, so you can see how hard you're pushing your body every day and set goals based on your body's recovery. Overtraining and injury are huge problems for every runner, but Whoop can help you reduce those risks by listening to the underlying factors affecting your performance. Whoop isn't just for elite runners. It's for anyone who cares about improving their life, staying healthy as a runner, and hacking their way to a new PR. So head over to whoop.com and enter track at checkout to save 15%. Get to the start line healthy with Whoop. Hey, welcome back to Keeping Track. I'm here with Alicia, and we're doing a little bit of a spin on our typical episode. Um, We've been talking about doing these for a while, but we kind of want to do a more topical discussion between us every once in a while. Um, And so this is going to be the first one of those for this season. So here's Alicia. We're just going to chat about some things from our perspective in the sport. Hello, everybody. Alicia Montano here. I am super excited to bring more topics that we want to be talking about with you guys, um, with just your hosts. Um, Every once in a while, maybe we'll throw in some guests on this part, but we think that it's really important to keep up to date with the sport and our perspective on things that are happening that are more current event and news. The one that we're going to talk about today is off of something that happened uh, prior to uh, the start of the U.S. Olympic trials with Shelby Houlihan and the burrito uh, doping debacle. So, um, I just kind of want to get started on what happened, um, and why it's a big deal and something that we need to talk about. Um, Shelby Houlihan is one of us's most, um, decorated young emerging stars. And I'm saying that in a way where 2016, she's barely skated in to make the U.S. Olympic team in the 5,000 meters. And since that time to now, she has broken the American record in the 1,500 and in the 5,000 meters uh, last year in 2020 with just a teammate um, in her squad meet. So we celebrate her. We're excited for her. And so I think coming into our U.S. Olympic trials where we were expecting for her to be one of our medalists, you and I say our, as in a U.S. medalist, uh, to take home in one of the events in either the 1500 or the 5K, um, that we are all of a sudden not seeing her at the U.S. Olympic trials, which pulls her out having an opportunity to make the team because of a positive 
doping test. And um, I want to just give people a little bit of background of some ways that you can fail a doping test, because I do think there's another, um, there, it's really important for people to, to see this. There was another athlete also um, that did get to compete, Brianna McNeil, knee, not, knee Rollins, um, who did get to compete in the 100 meter hurdles and actually made the team. So um, pending because of her, her positive test. And Here's our few, here are a few ways. I just want to give some background. I don't want to make this too long for you guys, but just a few ways. There's other ones that are going to be in there. One of them is avoiding doping protocols, which is you have to be available for one hour out of every single day as an as a professional athlete. It's a part of your mission to keep the sport clean and um, have it be a level playing field for everybody to have an opportunity to succeed as their natural selves, as we like to say. Um, and part of how you, you, you don't comply with it is avoiding the testing protocols by missing three tests within 18 months. And so that's kind of, um, we talked about this. It's kind of a really big, um, it's really hard to do because if somebody missed one time for whatever reason, say they were training and, you know, they put their time slot in a time where it should probably be when they were sleeping, but they, you know, went to a different time zone and they forgot to change it on a plane that does happen. But three times that, that would, that would shake somebody up to be terrified to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And typically it used to be where they would call you in that hour and you can find your way back home to meet them. But I, I'm not sure if that's, if they made it back to that, they, they cut that off for a while and they may have put it back where I think it's giving it, people an opportunity. It depends which pool you're in. Cause there's two yeah. pools kind of right. more or less a national pool, not really. And then more or less an international pool, but right. Right. Um, and then, so that's, you know, and for, for McNeil, she already served a ban for avoiding, not complying with doping rules, which was, or testing rules, which was to be available. So she missed three tests already. So the second time around, she did the same thing, which for me, I mean, this is going to be about Shelby, but I just wanted to give you guys, if already you're thinking, well, what about this case where she got to compete? I just want to put that out there. Um, and in my mind, I, I feel like that's, the offense is actually even worse because you're not being responsible and there are consequences for the responsibilities that you let go of. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and in, it, mm -hmm. I think it, um, I'm not sure if it's still like this, but it used to be if you refuse a test, like if right. you're face to face with the person, the drug tester, and you actually refuse rather than miss a test, whether it's at a competition or at home, that would be an automatic failed test. Right. Mm -hmm. I yeah. think I remember that with, um, which is crazy. Cause I'm like, athlete. okay, like you're just doping. If you're going <laughs> to say no, thank you right mm -hmm. now. Of course. Yeah. Right. And, and, and one thing I want to get clear, cause it's what we're going to talk about too, is because we are talking about the hard parts, especially being peers to these athletes does not mean that we do not like them. And this is the main point that we're going to talk about when we talk about Shelby Houlihan and her case. Um, so I just mentioned one thing with, with that whole thing, the, the and biases, then, yeah, our biases. biases. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's a way that you get a ban. And then the other one is like Molly mentioned, if you refuse a test. And the third one is if you just straight up test for a banned substance, it can be, uh, masking agents. It can be actual, you know, steroids that we've heard of. It can be nandrolone, which is a steroid that people claim to have not really heard of. 
it could be. But it's, it is the most commonly taken steroid across right. sports. Um, a lot of articles have mentioned that. So right. we don't we don't know what that means. But if it's right. a popular thing, if things break down into nandrolone, if nandrolone is really contaminated everywhere, but it's right. one of the most common ones. Exactly. And like clenbuterol also finds and falls into that category. Um, and then there's other ways, you know, like you need TUEs for certain medications. Um, and if you don't file a TUE, which is a therapeutic use exemption. So don't think that people with medical, which I think was being also, you know, shared that this wasn't something that they included within their policies. Don't think that people with medical issues cannot apply for TUEs. They can, and they're, I granted them if it's proven that they actually need this for their therapeutic use. So, mm-hmm. Um, but without filing, you can also test. So to Shelby's case, Shelby is in one of those athletes that actually tested positive for a banned substance. And that one was Nandrolone, where she, um, if you guys aren't following the, the, the case, but she tested positive and needed to um, trace it back to something. So she didn't actually know where that positive test came from, just to give that background. But because, you know, if you want to dispute it, you have to go and try to find this, this substance and where it may have come from, come from, which is where she and her team had gone back and decided with her receipts, that's important to mention, that it was around this time that they had ordered food from a taco truck. So it must be this taco truck that had tainted meat, which is typically where, um, natural levels of nandrolone testosterone can be found in meat. And this all happened just for clarification about a full six months before the actual um, sort of verdict was laid down. So over the course of six months, they'd been probably, you know, contacting who they needed to, to try and get this done. Um, And they were referring to prior cases that have successfully proved contamination in the U S of which we have, quite a few. I mean, there's probably some that I wasn't paying attention to, but it first came to my attention with um, Ajay Wilson's case of, and I don't know what was in hers, if it was clenbuterol or what the actual substance was. Contaminated meat was what beef was what she used. And since since that, there has been a similar case with Jerry and Lawson, we heard. Um, His Mm -hmm. was with Weta, as is Shelby's, rather than USADA. Mm -hmm. And this also happened to quite a few other athletes. I think Will Clay had one, and I think that also um, Brenda Martinez recently had one with contaminated antidepressants. So this contamination um, is something that we're seeing come up a lot, and it's just raising a lot of questions <laughs> as far as you know how concerned do we have to be about this happening uh, mm-hmm. naturally in your daily life versus mm-hmm. are we creating loopholes and precedents for microdosing? Right. Correct. And I just want to just uh, clarify on, on Wilson's. Um, she had tested positive for an anabolic agent, Xeranol, that was found in uh, a steak that she'd eaten. Steak. Okay. And so it's apparently, Xeranol is a legal growth um, hormone that is used in U.S. beef cattle. And there was a very low concentration of the substance in Wilson's urine sample, which was like 0.05, not 5.05. Also with um, Brenda Martinez, hers, 
she was able to trace it back to a bottle of her, um, her antidepressant medication, which had 0.01 of hydrochlorothiazide. That's 0.01. And typically that's not like a anabolic agent or anything like that. It's a, it would be used as a masking agent, which is something that helps hide the use of, of, uh, setting off the, um, a more prominent use for doping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Usually it's like a diuretic or something like that. So you can flush, 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 I assume is why those are on there. But, um, exactly. And there's been quite a few other, other athletes too, in the last many, like there's, there's quite a list of these. Right. But I just think it's point important to know, you know, when we're looking at what is a low level and what we, you know, it's 0.0 something, a number. And then there's like just a, a solid number. Um, and I don't so, know if for different substances, right. there's different, you know, magnitudes of the number, but um, right. yeah, it is interesting. And we just, we're saying all of this information too, to like, have you guys go and look without doing what we don't want to happen. We don't want for people to just assume somebody is clean based on likability. And um, so like looking at those numbers really do matter. Finding out what do these numbers mean? What's the legal limit? What's naturally occurring? And so um, that's kind of what we're talking about with Shelby as well. When they came back and they talked about their case, from what we know, again, this was from her case, it was very one-sided on hearing what happened. And I think that was a part where you might have seen a lot of professional athletes really not mention too much about it. One, because let's just be completely honest, when everyone's hanging out with everybody, nobody wants eyes or to not be liked or feel like, you know, they've been trash talked or anything like that. So to set it the record clear right now, like there's none of that. It's just that we do want there to be a level of transparency of what happens in the sport. We don't want people to be duped out of what they should be expecting out of athletes and what happens within the sport when it comes to clean athletes. And this is not to have the highest level of moral compass. It's just integrity within the sport to keep it, keep people who choose to microdose um, out of being able to find loopholes to do that. So that's why we're bringing this up and we're talking about it now. And I think a lot of us didn't jump to make a note about us because we didn't have enough information and it wasn't enough to just go off of uh, likability, hopes for our U.S. golds, mm-hmm. um, and or like uh, like you know our trust for a certain track club. The Love other for. side of the story by um, Cass and the Athletics Integrity Unit will be important because right. um, I think getting to the sort of the truth or the most likely scenario of this case is more than about one person. It's more mm-hmm. than about just Shelby. It's as an athlete, you look at that and you think, okay. I'm, you know, I'm already, do I have to be concerned about eating in a restaurant? Can I never eat in a restaurant? How do I, how do I have to change my behavior if this is true? Do I have to eat less meat? Do I have to eat only meat from, you know, whole foods or something? Is that even good enough? Because as an athlete, I mean, I know that doesn't sound, it sounds restrictive, but it's also like, I'm lining up against athletes that are at the world level, they are doping. They're on yeah. EPO and what, whatever. And now I'm, I can barely keep my iron high because I'm afraid to eat a steak based on something that wasn't even true. So like, we do need to know how we need to act. We do need to, um, I mean, I think the FDA needs to kind of investigate their meat sources if this is true. And on the flip side, if it's not true, um, you know, 
we're allowing a lot of backsliding into the progress Mm -hmm. that we've been making with anti-doping. And I think Alicia, you can talk a little bit about that with, um, like, I know you went to the white house a couple Mm -hmm. years ago to -hmm. talk about what, like, what were you requesting when you and some of the other representatives were in there? So we went to the white house in 2019 and we were basically fighting for, um, drug control. It was like legitimate drug control. Um, That's the officers that we were connecting with, the drug control officers of like the United States of America. And part of it was just making sure that we could secure, um, yeah, just have security within sports and note that how can we protect the financial longevity of clean athletes because what does end up happening when you know just people understand the sport in general people always ask how do you guys make money how do you do all these other things well a lot of it is how you're able to um, share your story um, and market your successes and part of that is you do deserve to if you are doing things the right way which is following all of the rules and win medals, you do deserve those. And athletes who are doping do not deserve the financial, um, you know, gain from taking that away from other athletes. So we went in there and we talked about things that we could do different. This is of course coming after the Russian doping scandal. Many of the top Russian athletes in the winter in the Olympic games were doping. It was like one of the biggest scandals ever. And whenever they, they, but they were able to check all these boxes and say, you know, we tested this many athletes and they had this whole system. You guys can watch um, Icarus, but they had this whole system on how they were passing the tests for WADA. But then there were some that came back because they had to have so many tests come back positive based on statistics. Like it would be a red flag if every single person was clean to be, because that's just mm-hmm. not what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had some athletes that were just out of the charts, just like ridiculous, like guys, there's no way that this is going to come back clean, but it was their top athletes. And they basically had shaken hands with WADA and paid them out to keep these tests, these positive tests from coming out from their stars. And one of them was, is that, sorry, I was just going to ask, is that when the athletics integrity unit came about? Like, can you explain that when you're done too for people? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So part of what we'd asked for when we went to the white house was, um, help in creating a third party. And just, we wanted across the board though, like there to be a third party testing protocols. That wasn't just like you know, with the White House, it was like ongoing work that we were fighting for. We were fighting for, we can't just trust every country's delegation because these are their stars. And of course they want to, it's easier for them to like shake hands and say, especially since what WADA showed us, okay, if you can just pay off this test. Now, where's that third party that has no special interest in these athletes and WADA in particular, and like whatever relationship that they might have with them that could help us crack down on a very real problem of doping within sports. And so that's where the athlete's integrity unit um, comes into play now. Mm-hmm. So you can get, te- you can get tested by USADA athletes, integrity unit and WADA. Mm-hmm. Um, and for Shelby's case, that third party that we'd asked for that wasn't of special interest was the athlete's integrity unit, which is just like no games to be played. Some people seem to have argued 
that the tests are too sensitive. And I might ask everybody to just kind of think of like why we may have needed a little bit more sensitive tests because we also did ask for tests to be a little bit more sensitive or not a little bit, to be more sensitive <laughs> um, to catch microdoping. Now, microdoping is a way in which you can, um, or microdosing, you can take small doses of a banned substance that flushes out of your system quicker, but it still accumulates within your body. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, I, and you I can always... use it for things like recovery and for training and you get gains off of that, which is also why I don't love that people who were like legitimately doping are allowed back into the sport mm-hmm. um, because they still got those gains from training. That's why you would use it. It's not like, so you could just permanently have it in your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The seeing the return is always a bit questionable. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I was never happy to see, you know, people come back off of a four-year ban or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, a quote that I heard, I was listening to a, um, an inter- a podcast about, I think it was the Burn It All Down podcast, actually, about the, I love Burn It All Down, shout out to them. It was, so um, it was about Bob Baffert and his horses, and he's had, I think, five of them test positive, most recently the winner of the Kentucky Derby, and I don't know, maybe the whole series. Um, and, you know, he was quoted as saying, you know, they're testing at these super sensitive levels right now. And it just set off a light in my head mm-hmm. that, like, is this the new catchphrase of people who are doping? Like, how this can be a really dangerous um, complaint to act right. on. And I right. think if, if we are having a lot of truly false positives, we do need to look into what is the answer to that. But I don't right. know if the answer is less sensitive testing because I, I mean, I guess I don't, I would love to talk to someone in the lab and say, how do mm-hmm. we know those low levels aren't, you know, oh, I got caught five days out from taking something mm-hmm. and that's why it was so low. The half-life had just gotten to that point or the micro dose, you know, something like that. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of, when I hear that now, I just, it's not good, um, you know, at first I was trying to be open-minded about it. And the more people I've heard use the excuse, it's really truly becoming an excuse. So I just don't right. know what I, how I feel about that as a solution mm-hmm. um, and how true the problem is. Right, right. I'm with you on that. And I, um, the buzzwords like you mm. had just been mentioning of just like, you know, uh, do we need it to be, we don't need the test to be so sensitive. And you're like, no, so you're looking for a loophole or you want there to be loopholes for other people. What If they're if you are knowing that you're doing everything, obviously the fi- argument could be with tainted meat within your power to be a clean athlete. I wouldn't be worried mm-hmm. about sensitive and tests. It was almost the take home message of the New York times article um, mm-hmm. about Brenda's case. And I don't know right. the, the truth or not of Brenda's case. It's we're not going to talk about really what we think happened yeah, or didn't exactly. happen. It's more mm-hmm. about, is that the solution to this? Or is that a huge right. step backwards in right. fight against anti-doping? You know, I don't know if that's the take home message. I don't know if that's worth, um, pouring into the streets and protesting for lower levels of right accuracy in the drug test. I think, I think in her case, that's, I, I agree. Like I wasn't very thrilled about that part of it, but maybe the, the fight could have been like, if you have a therapeutic use for something and you need a certain amount of dose, mm-hmm. like, like mm-hmm. maybe for that case. But I also feel like, again, like I just want to read the entire cast report for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's more to it, you know, it's an article, it has to be so many words, you know, to kind of make it within it so that the 
editor knows people are going to read it and are we hitting home the main points? What do we, what can we leave out that still kind of gives most of the information? So um, those are things that, you know, we, I don't know. I just think we should always keep an ear out, but I wanted to just kind of talk about like, again, like the buzzwords and like other things that kind of make you think like, for instance, in the Shelby Houlihan case, you know, the complaint that this happened with the athletes integrity unit, like they were out to get people. And which, I mean, in a way it's like, you know, we don't want people yeah, to be able to politics microdose. were mentioned, right? right? Like, politics. right politics were mentioned and, you know, maybe there's something to that somewhere within this. Um, but my thing is to say that had this been USADA, it would have ended up differently. Doesn't really look good for USADA. Um, it also doesn't, it was actually why, why we wanted there to be a third party. So people couldn't say, you know, within the U S these athletes that are tested are able to get away with it because they're special interests. Mm-hmm. And I had heard, um, I'd have to double check on this, but USADA had a slightly higher, the number was 15 instead of five, or if, if you were pregnant, it was up to 15. There was some higher barrier USADA could have used. Um, but either way, like the biases that we have against, like, I, I suppose, why would you trust your own doping control mm-hmm. um, federation to mm-hmm. protect your country's own stars? I see how that could be, um, you know, just the biases we all have. We don't want to believe it's true. None of us want to believe any of this is true. Okay. So definitely I see how um, that statement is a little bit like, well, are you just commenting on how you try to protect your own athletes or, you know, a lot of American athletes have had this happen recently and you didn't have come back and have gotten it um, wiped clean. So you wonder if that's actually happening. And we can't, we think of that with Russia. We think of that with some other, these foreign quote unquote foreign athletes. And it's like, are we doing that? Do we have, like, we have to really look at everyone with, you know, an unbiased. Yeah. And to, to your point on, on just like looking at it with, an even lens for everybody. Like, are we opening up the door for athletes to athletes that are like doping that we would already like, you know, um, to just say, Oh, it was this. Oh, it was because of this. Oh, you know, it just feels like there's too much room for like allowing for there to be too many loopholes of like the believability factor on why I tested positive for, uh, you know, for doping, whatever it would be, if it was steroids or whatever the whole thing is. And um, my thing is just like, sometimes there's just ownership of like, oh, you know, yeah, I needed to get a TUE for this, or I should have done that, which is just like, I can believe that, you know, mm-hmm. like, or it was, so- a, it was a supplement that I thought was clean, but it was contaminated. Right. But I can't like- say that because strict liability is one of the you know, you're liable for even supplements that you're taking. Yes. So, right. but even right. that would come off more comforting than it would be come off more comforting. It would yeah. be more like, Oh yeah. Dang it. You I see that how that could happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, and then, so the thing just cause we, this is where we started and I know we have a couple of things this to that we're kind of bouncing around on, but this is because it's so wide um, in a lot of ways, although it might seem narrow because it's like this one person that we're focusing on, but there's more to talk about again, like, you know, the second we jump to immediately defending a U.S. athlete, 
um, especially, you know, a beloved distance, you know, athlete and how we don't do the same if it was any sort of foreign athlete. It's like immediately like, oh yeah, they're doping. Oh, they doped. But like, they don't have the same media coverage and, you know, rallying behind them, you know, athletes that are not US, non-US athletes that we have. And we can't, you know, just do this rally cry of they're so nice. They would never do anything like that. Like doping is not a mean person, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes doping is desperation. Sometimes it's a way out for people, Mm -hmm. um, in situations they don't want to be in, you know, um, in terms of like financial potential financial gain, you know, um, I spoke to Yulia Stefanova and she kind of talked about that being just in, which was the whistleblower for the Russian doping scandal. And she kind of talked about, yeah, you know, the only way that they can uh, make the, uh, be on the team is if they go to these youth camps and they're all just given the, you know, meals and with their meals, they're given like what they're being told is like supplements. And like some people ask questions, some people don't. And the ones that ask questions, they're told, if you don't take this, you're just not going to be on the team. Mm -hmm. So like, there's this trope of like evil, good, and the evil person dopes and the good person doesn't. And I think that's holding back actually the process of exactly, um, you know, due process, it's holding back the truth. Mm-hmm. People are more complicated than that, right? Exactly. Yep. And 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 for some of these Russian athletes, they are so protected and they're heralded as like, you know, they're superheroes where they get protection for life. They get benefits for life. They get put up in, um, you know, they have their own like apartments, which is like our houses just, you know, or, you know, condos or whatever it is, but they have their own home that's paid for by the government forever. They're like queens and kings living in Russia and forever will they have those benefits. Hmm. This yeah. is from Yulia Stepanova. Obviously I don't live in Russia, but like I, I had a heart to heart with her about why, you know, when we met for a doping conference and that she had an opportunity to speak about her life in Russia and how she's running for her life now and in hiding, you know, in the United States of America, if she goes back, she's going to be killed. Mm -hmm. you know, and what it looks like. And so my point is why I'm mentioning that story is like, she's a very kind person. What were you thinking that she would have been evil because she made like a life decision choice. So those sort of things do happen for people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean they're evil, but like doping's not allowed in the sport. Yeah. Yeah. It's, (laughs) it's an offense, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I do think we just have to be aware of that mm-hmm. as we, I mean, not, not that public opinion even decides these cases, but exactly. I think it's yeah. just, we have to be aware of that. And, um, and it felt a lot like, uh, just for Shelby's case. And again, I think I have to keep saying this over and over again. It's not to say like, we, uh, don't believe Shelby Houlihan and something crazy could have went amiss. It's not that at all. It's just like what we are, why this is, saw, why, why this it, is damaging news. Yeah. Regardless exactly. of the outcome. Yeah. Right. And it's not to say we, either way of whatever. It's like, I was more frustrated that I'm like, guys, we have so much more to find out and to listen about before we start being like, no, they're just wrong. There's never, this is never going to be what it is for her. So like, I don't care what ends up happening. Like Kaz obviously came to their decision for, it went to Kaz. So it wasn't just like athletes integrity unit got to pick. Now the argument was that this, um, 
the scientist that testified against Shelby was the same one that testified against Jerrion in his case. And that basically throughout the whole case, because she gave some sort of false testimony. Again, there were the pieces of all the stuff. She gave some sort of false testimony, those buzzwords that make you feel like, oh, you get false testimony. What if she got the number wrong of what she said it was or the order and series of events, which it could have been any of those sort of things. I'm not saying, you know, we can start doing a bunch of what ifs for everything, but kind of we are when we're saying it must have been a burrito. And I usually get the carne asada burrito, but they accidentally switched it and I ate the whole thing because that burrito was greasy. I'm just saying like, as much as we criticize other people in this case, in this case specifically, I think that there was like a matchup on how there needs to be a critical lens of all other parts of the story mm-hmm. that we're at least hearing, We, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, there's a really good article. I mean, as far as the actual scientific details of the case, they're mm-hmm. not simple. Um, yeah. they're, they're complicated. It's broken down really well into this article. We linked the women's running article, um, just about how they decide how they, how they decided yeah. what they decided based on the science of what they found. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think it's interesting. I think in that article, they noted that the woman in the lab that was related to this. And by the way, labs aren't supposed to know your identity when they're working on these cases. Right. So when you fill out your paperwork, it's just your name's blocked out. They don't know who you are. Uh, I assume point. I assume they know your country, but they shouldn't know, you know, the, I don't know. Do they know your event? They might know no, your event so, in right. your country. You, we have numbers. That's actually a really great point. So sabotage is a little tough to, I mean, maybe they know you're American, but I'm not even sure about that, but they don't know who you are to sabotage you. That's like mm-hmm. built into the system. You're a number. It, there could be probably a guess on what country you're from. If, you know, the doping officer that typically handles a certain region turns something in, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because I would have the same person all the time and they have to sign their name about them having done it. But yeah, our names are not on that. It's we're numbers. Yeah. For that reason. For Um, that reason. And we can like, you know, when we take tests and say we want to be all like doping control, if you notice, they'll like cross out that number because they tell them they have to do that to keep it anonymous. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. So there's no bias. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, the the woman working the in the lab, I think, wrote an article or wrote the scientific paper about contamination um, of nandrolone in boar meat or mm-hmm. naturally occurring in boar meat. So, you know, I don't know if that biased her one way or the other with this, that she was the expert, but I found that to be an interesting connection there. So. And we, we still don't have the, I mean, it could be whatever, you know, we still don't have the full report with the exact numbers because what we heard was if you correct it because she was dehydrated the level was five right we're hearing the numbers from one half of the one half of the of the of the story so anyway my point is you know everybody having this hashtag free shelby and we can unpack that too you know outcry off of just sheer tear you know knee-jerk reaction of caring about one. Yeah. Like from a humanity aspect, it's very, very sad. It's very devastating for someone to not have an opportunity, but at the same time, if the rules are the rules and they line up this way, 
then we also have to look at how devastating and sad it is for the sport on two sides of the fence. Like Mm -hmm. if we have our, you know, hopeful, um, you know, to bring home the gold, um, not have an opportunity. And now it's casting and why I care. Um, I care a lot of reasons, but like what I want for people to take a look at is like how it's casting a shadow of a doubt over all of these amazing performances. Like at this level, all of them are doing it, which is not the case at all. But when our top athletes and what, what you see is top athletes getting caught because they're obviously not saying Shelby, I'm everybody just, you know, don't come for me, but (laughs) is you will see top athletes getting caught because they're doing it. It's working for them, but they end up getting caught one way or another. There are a few that make it under the radar. um, But for the majority, uh, these, these, these performances that you're seeing, I want you to believe in, I want you to believe in these performances because people work day in and day out they sacrifice their time their energy their i don't know sanity in a lot of ways you know family time families to make this dream come true so um yeah that's one of the most damaging things that i i hear when every time a doping case comes up people and people say and it's someone unexpected and they say that everyone's doing it um it's one of the biggest things I try to hammer home that no, it's not, it's not a lost cause. There mm-hmm. are people you can believe in. Uh, but yeah, hearing this does kind of shake mm-hmm. <laughs> your previous thoughts on what mm-hmm. was what. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I still believe in the sport. Mm-hmm. I still believe in clean performances, amazing, ridiculous clean mm-hmm. performances. Like I would be devastated if what we saw anybody at the trials that had these amazing performances was doping, but you can see progression. You can see mm-hmm. uh, very real fluctuations of career, which is normal. Like, you know, when people see somebody make an amazing performance and they're like, oh, they were doping because it was a one-off. I'm like, sometimes that peak is perfect for that yeah. time in your career where you start to be like, I'm exhausted. I'm, I was tired for that effort. And mm-hmm. sometimes it is a once in a lifetime effort. Well, yeah, like I know a lot, a lot of the times for distance running, by the time you're, you've been out of school three years or so, mm-hmm, you've mm-hmm. built up enough of that particular professional training load to really like have a great season. So a lot of times mm-hmm. you'll see that someone's second year or third year out of college, mm-hmm. huge improvement. Um, mm-hmm. So there are, you know, it can And like happen. adjusting to this lifestyle, not having, uh, you know, your schedule be full. Mm-hmm with other things, it's literally full with training now. And you get an opportunity to just focus on that. Your recovery is much better. Mm-hmm. And um, just to physically absorb that work. Sometimes it mm-hmm. takes a couple years. Yeah, um, absolutely. and then suddenly, you know, you're firing Everything on all clicks. cylinders. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and then maybe like when you're seeing an athlete that can just stay consistent, like that's like what you see, you know, the consistency is key for a lot of athletes. Molly can attest to that, um, consistency, but then when you see any sort of drop off, just know there's so many things that happen. Uh, injuries, that's a natural part of sport. It's not anything to like, you know, be alarmed that this person will never, ever live ever again and can never, ever, you know, for some reason in sport, if somebody has a season where they're injured and say they don't get to compete for the rest of the season, that's just, that just happened. Like sometimes somebody might come into April, be super healthy, ready to compete. And they might run their first race in April, but like, or about to, and they break something and then they have to be out for 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. That does happen. So I guess want you guys to have eyes on that. That does happen to, especially if it's a significant like bone injury, doesn't mean they're done because they got injured. It just means that was the time of the entire season. And maybe it's better for me to focus on 
actually properly rehabbing if I needed that amount of time and then coming back for next year. So if you see them missing, it's not necessarily like, you know, Oh, that's because last year they were, you know, it's like, no, we're just, it's the life cycle of an athlete. And part of it can include injury, sickness, Mm-hmm. you know, and it's, any, whatever the whole thing, pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. And it is with injury or sickness. <laughs> it's really hard, honestly, to even use those as markers for if someone's progression is normal or not, because Absolutely. we just don't have enough. I mean, unless you're in someone's training group, you just don't have enough information. You don't know what yeah. their workouts are. You don't know what their strengths are. You don't. Yeah. So it's just tough. I mean, track is already hundreds of athletes participating. It's hard to keep your eye close enough on one person to really know yep. mm-hmm. judging from what you see a thousand miles away. So yep. it's just hard. I mean, I see why it, it's, there's doubt easily kind of like growing out of all this because yeah. you just aren't close enough to most, most of the athletes, but. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I try not to be, but I feel pretty disheartened, you know, um, more in just like, I don't know. I just feel like <laughs> it's, there's so much sway on one side or the other. And like, we, I think as a whole from spectatorship are like falling away from just like really appreciating what goes into high performance and like expecting for natural athletes or I'm saying like, you know, clean athletes to be able to make these sort of performances real. And then on the other side is the athletes that, think that the, I mean, this is what ends up happening. The athletes that think that everyone's doping. So if I want a part of this mix, I also need to do this. It just feels like, man, what a very, very sticky Mm -hmm. situation Mm -hmm. to have that thought process. Totally. As an athlete, you really do get your world rocked when this, these questions, these doubts, even if it's not a confirmed one way or Mm -hmm. another yet, Mm -hmm. could be an appeal, could be cleared. People did get cleared. You still sit there and you think like, okay, I, is, is it dumb to think this is possible the right way? <laughs> you start mm-hmm. to think, am I doing a task that is not, am I trying to achieve something that is just not possible? Who can I look at now? Cause you've had right. people you were looking at and you're like, right, this person, they're doing it. I can do it. And then if it's mm-hmm. something happens to that person to question things, you're like, cause question, you're like, okay, <laughs> where, where do I go from here? So it's right. definitely, um, so disheartening and just like kind of shakes your whole perspective. And I see how, yeah, like you said, you know, the wrong person may think, or someone in a more vulnerable state may think like, yeah, it's not possible. And it falsely drives them the wrong Mm -hmm. direction to maybe do Mm -hmm. something that's Mm -hmm. not above board. So, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if we touched on, um, we touched a little bit on how there was, people commenting on sort of the silence of certain athletes when this Mm -hmm. all broke and how you were saying, you know, we're waiting for more information, most of us. Mm -hmm. Um, And and, then, for example, bicycle racing, they have, you know, silence could mean a lot of things. In bicycle racing, they have the omerta where like, we're silent, which means we're complicit. We're also Mm -hmm. doing it. We don't want to talk about it. I would like to say there is a silence um, on social media, because I think a lot of people are waiting for information, but it is not an agree or a disagree because we are definitely talking off social media no, about yeah. this. I can't tell you how many texts, how many phone calls I had that three days between Same. when that like happened. Ping, ping, ping. Yeah. 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 We connecting about it. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is a big deal. And we are mm-hmm. all trading information, talking. What did you hear? What'd you see? Mm-hmm. So, um, know that is happening (laughs) Mm -hmm. and know that like yeah and again the information for 
a lot of us does matter. And, you know, some of us just weren't rushing to, mm-hmm. it felt like, <laughs> it felt and like I think the that's, rush, that's the rush to say something. Exactly. I think it's a good thing. The rush to say something was on, if you notice like likability and like, mm-hmm. you know, like the public interest story of it and, you know, yeah. winning is- the hearts of Right. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. this this isn't something where a hot take is going to help Reputation in any way. Damage you know? control. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So it could just fuel mm-hmm. things the wrong in the wrong direction. Right. Um, so definitely just wanted to clarify that. <laughs> yep. No, a hundred percent. And I mean, all, honestly, if just talking about this too, is like, it's crazy how I could be like a grown woman and still feel like we're doing this episode to talk about it. And like, I just don't want any drama. I mm-hmm. like, I just want for us to be able to openly have this conversation about all the ins and outs of what it looks like within the sport and not just get this surface level. We're going to give you guys information first. It kind of reminds me of my kids fighting. Like Lenan asked her, those are the oldest too. And like Lenan asked her to do something to each other that frustrates one another. So they're like in conflict and they both come running and it's whoever can get their information out the fastest that you're like, okay, so is this the story that we're going off of? I mean, it mm. immediately is like, that's the first story I heard, but you also are like, what happened? The other one's now so like frustrated that they didn't get their story out first that they hardly even can share what actually happened. Instead, it's just like, no, no, no. I kind of feel like this is the story. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, that could have, is that a strategy? You have to wonder yeah. to try and get the story out first and loudest and mm-hmm. Try and get mm-hmm. people thinking along that line. And now the next person has to disprove what everybody mm-hmm. just heard. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Exactly. Don't know. It's like more the damage control for the second party that didn't get it out first to like disprove it or mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? Um, but anyway, I don't know how many times I've said this. We don't know is the whole thing, obviously. I, I, we, I just want you guys to think about the fact that we heard one part of the story and it made us most of the U.S. fall in love with this person who is the accused party. And most of the articles that you're reading are opinion pieces. We don't have all the facts. um, The take-home messages of, you know, potentially lowering sensitivity of drug testing is Mm -hmm. not, um, we just don't, don't know if that's a constructive idea. (laughs) Right. Right. Could do more damage than good to the sport. Yes, exactly. And like, you know, uh, like I mentioned, I probably, I said this already, but is like just having, just knowing that say if, you know, the case of in pregnancy, you might have elevated nandrol and that could set up a test. Then they're going in and asking you the questions like they said they did with Shelby. Are you pregnant? You know, like Mm -hmm. those, there are like steps. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, like, there are adverse findings and there's atypical yeah. findings, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. highly, argument, sens- argued. highly sensitive tests would, would result in more atypical findings, but an adverse analytical finding means you are, you're over the limit they set, whether it's not mm-hmm. a trace amount. I mean, mm-hmm. if the limits need to be raised, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a great idea either because mm-hmm. they're set there for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, I know a lot of the limits are set with certain amounts of contamination in mind, I assume. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe they could do more studies on that because you don't want to just go ask for that if it's not if it's not viable, if it's not already been taken into account. Right. And just because it's your athlete, like, have, would they be fighting for the test to not be this way if it wasn't their mm-hmm. athlete to be uh, lower 
um, or to elevate the the threshold. Yeah. Yeah. So I just don't want to yeah. see this case damage, you know, forward progress in uh, these types of cases, this category of case, this contamination I find to be mm-hmm. tough. Um, it could really set things back if it's not mm-hmm. handled mm-hmm. the right way. Um, and we just right. really need to know the truth, the truth of these cases. Um, I, I don't, I didn't write this note, which we should have. Shelby was asking for it to be adverse or atypical. Finding. I think they were hoping it would be an atypical finding because okay. it was right on the line and right. atypical just means it's present and you then can proceed in explaining it away and it didn't mm-hmm. cross the threshold. That's my understanding of atypical. Okay. So again, you guys, we're giving you food for thought. Um, you know, it's not like we have all of the answers or, you know, there are things to just kind of just think about, I guess is what we, our takeaway is for this. Just think about this side while you're, if you also were on this, you know, just huge public outcry of how could they say that one of our favorite athletes has been found guilty of, um, or, or has failed a drug test. I don't want to say like guilty of doping because I feel like that is implying, which we've used that word quite a bit. So if you made it this far, (laughs) um, I think, I think the, yeah, it would be like doping is implying that somebody has a schedule for this, you know, or, you know, but it's also possible that somebody could one off something or try it and see what happens, maybe start a schedule on something. But like you mentioned, Molly, is that just because at the time of a test, it is lower doesn't mean that it may not, they, they may not have taken something sooner. And then it was just at that part of yeah, of can, the, the life of, of whatever, you know, they took. Yeah. If anyone can explain to me if that's faulty reasoning or not, but yeah. <laughs> could they just yeah. be. And just no. know, this is like respectful discussion. We like, we, we just want to be able to open up the door to know like, Hey, everybody isn't on one side of the, the fence that the, the in, initial knee jerk, you know, like what a public outcry and outrage this is. It's not necessarily that, mm-hmm. but it's also just And like, can we, can we publicly address before we go? Cause I was just thinking mm-hmm. one of our other take home messages is the sports worth fighting for. Don't give up hope. There are clean athletes and amazing mm-hmm. performances. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk about the argument that they should allow everyone to dope and just like, <gasps> I hate when I hear that. I can't it, stand that. Whenever yeah. we have a high profile case of a positive test that someone, some person comes out and is just like, we should just let them all dope and it'll be more exciting and stop trying. Can we just, can we <laughs> yeah, just, that. yeah, bye. Can we just shut that down real quick with yeah. our, our viewpoint? So yeah. my viewpoint is, first of all, that's extremely unsafe and you're now going to weed out potential, do you want your kids um, to amazingly look, natural performances? Yeah, yeah. And do you, do you want your kids looking at these athletes saying, I want to do that when I get older and yeah. then head down that path, knowing that's what they're going to have to deal with. No, it's mm-hmm. uns, it's unsafe and you don't want anyone doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and second of all, like that's just such a fatalistic view, I guess. Yeah. You're going to weed out any potential uh, like good, like, yeah, good role model and honest performance because yep. there's going to be a lot of people that if that's the criteria for participating, they're just going to leave. Like you know, exactly. I, I would just leave if that's what I had to. If I figured out that's what I had to do to survive in the sport, because mm-hmm. that's how it would be. Mm-hmm. Right now, you can survive in the sport without doing that. 
I don't know if you could set a world record without doing that, but I know you can survive in the sport without doing that. And so if yeah. that were to happen, would not survive. You literally wouldn't be able to qualify for things in the sport mm -hmm. if that became mm -hmm. the norm. No, I'm just looking into like what you're talking about too, but no, I agree. Like I, oh, man, I just usually when that part pops into it, I just scroll to the next thing. Like, you know, you guys are just all dope. You know, it's just not, no, it's not cool. But I agree with you. I couldn't even imagine if somebody, if that's what literally was the criteria to compete in the sport is like, if you want to do this, like, it's kind of like what Yulia Stepanova was saying for Russia. If you guys want to be on this team, you have to do this. Like, no, thank you. Uh, mm -hmm. Also, like you said, it's not safe. Uh, then you're on some weird schedule or regimen of like injecting yourself with certain things at certain times. Why? Why would somebody say that? I don't even <laughs> like, I can't even, I'm trying to think of how, like the logic. Anyway, I almost feel like we don't even need to. Guys, don't do drugs. It's pretty <laughs> obvious, but you hear that come up. Every once in a while, someone Crazy. will say that. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah that's a terrible well, idea. I'll just do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks. I'm usually just like, okay, I need to keep walking away. I mean, we need um, to protect, protect people, the human exactly. bodies yeah. in the sport. Um, yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to shut that down as part of our take home message of there is, down. <laughs> there is, <laughs> there is uh, a lot worth saving. Mm -hmm. um, I agree. All. Believe in the sport, you guys. Um, and just know, be critical thinkers. Remember that. <laughs> think critically. It's okay to think critically. And, you know, it's also okay to wait for information and ask for more information. I just, it's okay to say, I just need inf more information. What I see on the social media world sometimes is like, kind of feels like middle, like middle school again. Mm -hmm. It's like one person sets off what the precedent is that we are saying we like her. And you're like, mm -hmm. yeah, we like her. Come sit at our table. Let's eat. We don't like her. Yeah, we don't like her. I don't know. <laughs> like, I feel like it's like a, it's just like a little bit of a movie. Like, guys, yeah. remember we learned all this really early where you, you know, treat people with fairness and kindness, but also you don't have to just like, just because the popular person says we like her doesn't mean like, yeah, me too. It could just be, yeah, uh, it's okay. Like, you on know, Wednesdays, just, you can wear any color you yeah. want. You don't have to yeah, wear pink. Don't have, we don't have to wear pink. <laughs> we don't have to be like the plastics, okay? I don't know. <laughs> Not saying that this is that case at all, but I'm just trying to equate it to like, it just felt like the social media storm was like everybody waiting to see what somebody thought about something. And then it went wild. I'm like, but you guys, we still don't have any information. We just, somebody said something that we liked and we were just like, thumbs up. I think there's a lot more to talk about i just it's kind of just know like this isn't an easy topic to talk about um there's much to that we're still waiting for i do want to say like shelby is going to the next um the next appeal the next appeal which is very hard one yeah um but my hope is if she is act if she is innocent and it was just some weird stuff that went down that she does have an opportunity. Mm -hmm. But if she's guilty, like also, I just would hope if my, if I could just hope somewhere down the line, some sort of truth can come out of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A truth that will advance clean sport. That would advance clean sport. Something that will just help us being like, oh, I don't really know what happened, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, also, if anybody knows the burrito place, please let me know. Cause I like burritos and I definitely don't want to eat there. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Call us. <laughs>
Anyway. All right. All right. That's it, everybody. Thank you so much for uh, keeping track with us. Just know much of what we want to be bringing to you guys are some of the nuances to track and field and share more of the lesser known stories, ideals, perspectives, um, and give you a, a dose of, of more that we want you to keep track of. So thanks for keeping track. Thanks for keeping track. Today's podcast is brought to you by Loop. Loop is a fitness wearable that provides 24-7 personalized insights around your sleep, recovery, and daily activity. Whether you're running your first 5K or your 10th marathon, Loop can help you train smarter and recover faster so you can get to the start line healthy. Personally, I've been using Loop for a couple of weeks, and my favorite feature is the sleep analyzing function. It tells me how many hours of sleep I really got versus how much I need based on my day's physical strain and even the quality of that sleep. So that's been pretty cool to see. Whoop is offering 15% off with the code TRACK at checkout. So go to Whoop, W-H-O-O-P dot com and enter TRACK, T-R-A-C-K at checkout to save 15%. Sleep better, recover faster, and run faster. Get to the start line healthy with Whoop. Keep track, keep track. Keep track, keep track. I want to tell should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you.